0: Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast so old school it drives a bus with a moat and a ballista where the disabled ramp should be. Today we're going to be reading a book called Wegg's Old School with a K, which is, spoiler alert, deeply annoying. It's also an example of an OSR game. We'll talk about whatever the heck that is, and this game, and probably some 80s or 90s TV show we both remember. I know. Like Small Wonder, Boy Meets World, who knows, right? Probably Angry Beavers, though. Anyway, it's System Mastery. Actually, if I'm being honest, John, I, I never watched Boy Meets World. I have no context. Yeah, neither did I. Oddly I, enough, everyone I knew did, though. It's got some lady on it named Topanga that I think was like everyone's first crush for like five years. Yeah, but she's just a canyon. <laughs> that's true. There is a Topanga Canyon. Um, but I I was just I, I remember seeing pictures of her me like, yeah, OK, I guess that's what, you know, Disney TV girl stars look like. But for some reason, there's she was super important to a lot of people's early development. Oh yeah, no. Yeah. There were there was definitely at least one of my friends in high school was like, "Yo, Topanga," and I was like, "I've never watched the show. I don't know what you're saying. I don't think I was. I felt old until someone was like, "Damn, son, iCarly," and I was like, <laughs> "What? You? No, no." And I was like, "Oh wait, you are quite young." <sighs> oh wait, because when you say that and I look at something like iCarly, I'm like, "Ew, ew, that's a tiny child. Get away from me." <laughs> yeah. Woody, what Humbert Humbert thing are you trying to lay at my feet here? Well, I'm sorry, I am not Woody Allen. You need to <laughs> slow your roll for a second there. Did you hear recently that David Mamet says he wrote a play about Harvey Weinstein's sexual allegations? Oh, good, good for him. No one cares. Why could fuck Who, you, Mamet? Yeah, what? Don't do that. Just no, oh, please stop and do not. <laughs> please, and then he was, please stop. And then he had that when they asked him why he was doing, it, he's like, "Well, I have daughters, and so I see things in the world that are just shocking." And I was like, "All right, can we?" Can we officially get a moratorium on your daughters being the reason that you're not just a constant piece of shit all the time? Ah, like, oh, I'd be raping women const- left and right. I would never put my dick away if I didn't have two lovely daughters. Uh, I mean, I'd never put my dick away if I could. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean, it's not a sexual thing. I just hate pants. <laughs> I love pants. I like having a little dick structure in my life. I need a little dick structure. That's the difference between a type A and a type B personality. The type A really needs some dick structure, the type B personality just goes with the flow. Things you need to know about introverts. <laughs> uh, guys, if you're going to hang out with an introvert, just know they're going to have their dick out <laughs> because they hate dick structure. Hi there, Dick Structure here for uh, Wegg's Old School, the game that we should be talking about. I hate you so much, Dick Structure. (laughs) So, so John, the book we're reading is Wegg's Old School. Yeah, it is. (sighs) It's more of a pamphlet than a book. It's only like... It's about 90 pages. It's 90 pages, but it's a half-size softcover book. And, okay, I... I'm gonna get right into why I really, really hate this. Sure, like, I'm just diving right in. Yeah, it. give me, give me your biggest hate right um, off the bat. Let's. I go. mean, right, right off the bat, we've got old school spelled S K O O L. Yeah, and that's enough to make me go like, guys, you wrote this in like 2011 or some shit, and. This is something that would have been eye-rolling in, like, the mid-90s. It was written in 2008, I think. No research on this, but if you look at the first printing, it's got, it's got printings in 8, 10, and 12, I think. Yeah, so, you know, somewhere, probably around 2010. That, still enough that Old School with a K was... I mean, here's the thing, though. There is nothing about this book that would suggest that the author feels any sort of embarrassment about anything. Oh, no. For example, John... <laughs> I hate it. I hate it so much. For for weg example, John, every single time he he comes up across a, a time where he could write just an example of something, he starts by writing for weg example. Oh yeah, and well you have to get that weg example so you understand what's going on in the weg's world. Yeah. It's weg's world, <laughs> weg's world. Party this time. Book sucks. <laughs> it's not very good. <laughs> woo woo woo. So. Uh... So WEGS stands for Wicked Errant Game System. It stands for West End Games System. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wish it was a good company. It's, no, it stands for Wickedly, not Wicked, Wickedly Errant Game System. Yep. And he likes WEGS as a concept because this game takes place on the planet WEGS World. And he, uh, again, every time he uses the word example, he replaces it with WEG example. Every time he says wigsample example in this book twenty three times. Yeah, the uh the other thing is, it wasn't enough for him to be like, Hey, you remember when like back in the early nineties when people were replacing things with K's for school and then like you'd have boys with a Z? Well, I did that for this entire book, and everything has replaced C's with K's and <laughs> fucking humness. Humans in this game are called humans. H U M N Z humans fuck you humnez hum humnez <laughs> so uh oh god uh i don't even it is hard to think about where to start i you got to start with that weg example uh with the fact that the book is completely full of new words port, most of them portmanteaus or compound words most of them highly unnecessary because they're longer than the word that they're replacing well you've got okay right off the bat you have a very core mechanic to this is something called spell points now spell points everyone has they're not just for spells everyone uses them as sort of the uh like your mp for the game so any maneuver or something you do is usually going to cost you that you can use it to uh up your percentage of uh your skill role in case you want to get better at something however well they could also be skill points john no, but they're not. They are specifically spell points. Oh, well, I was trying to help him out, but I guess I don't get to. Nope. Everyone has spell points. Of course, it would be wasteful to say spell points every time. So instead, they're spoints. So, John, spoints. Every character has a number of spoints. If you're a scholar, which is a scholar spelled with a K, then you'll have more spoints than if you're a fighter or a ranger. Uh, but you will have some spoints. Oh, yeah. And... uh if you want to spend points to increase a skill chance, why that's called spupping, because that's point upping. So if you <laughs> if you want, you can spup on your points. Now, there's a time in the game where you have a chance to spend spell points, or I'm sorry, to spup points that's off turn, and uh, that's a chance to also pay upkeeps on uh, on uh, spells that you have active or move points around, and that term is the spell point anti-zone, so we call that the spanty. Now, it is possible to spup your spoints sp during the spanty uh, in case you were curious whether or not that was a thing that you could do. In uh, case you were wondering whether or not you could use your spoints sp to spup during the spanty, yes. Of course you can. Of course you can. Now, uh, we've got to talk about the world of WEGS. Now, all I want to talk about is whether or not during the 80s you ever went on a spanty raid. <laughs> Well let's see. When I finished the eighties the I was ten. Uh, so I'm gonna say no. Oh, that's I didn't a shame. in nineteen eighty nine I was I was just turning ten years old. I had no desire to get the underwear of gross slimy girls. Oh, no, I'm talking about spanties. Oh, getting some spanties. Yeah. Oh, no, because this game didn't exist in the 80s, and even if it did, it would have been bad in the 80s. (laughs) Yes, that is true. Uh, Even though uh, this is something that we probably really should talk about, this is a book that wears the OSR badge proudly. This is the first, I think the first one we've read that that leans heavily into trying to get the OSR dollar. Yeah, I mean, we have done Heartbreakers before, obviously, and... Uh, a lot of that is mostly trying to improve on the old game systems by, like, oh, I want to make it more realistic. I want to do this. I want to change whatever. Well, here this you- is the the whole point of this is less heartbreaker because there's something wrong, and more I'm trying to recreate yeah. an old game. Yes. Yeah. So, John, based entirely on no research whatsoever, what do you think the OSR Is. What's it stand for, first of all? I mean, you would... Guess what? There's a big argument about this. Oh, I'm sure that there is, because it's OSR, which means everything is a big argument. Like, you'd think in your head, probably old school rules? It's not. That's not even on the argument table. Oh, that's not even one of the options. I mean, maybe it is, because it sure sounds like it should be, right? But apparently it's a fight between old school revival and old school renaissance. (laughs) I, okay. Revival. Sure, that's a thing. Renaissance, though, is it seems like that would be the wrong term for trying to go back to something. (laughs) Given that it's uh, an era of creation and development. Although I think the idea that that that's what they think it is, because, again, without doing a huge amount of research on this topic, because let's face it, there's no way to research this topic without exposing yourself to people who give a shit about it. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't want to dive into that hole. Yeah, so OSR, the old school rules of revival or recovery or renaissance or whatever... Uh, is, is people who want their games to reflect the era of around 1974 to 1984, or the first decade where role-playing games were a thing. And, and a lot of them tend to think that all the good stuff that that's about role-playing games was done by 1984. Like, everything that anyone needed was was in the systems already. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is, especially reading through this, you get the sense of, uh, one, you really want to have more of a focus on... Uh, easy to make disposable characters, mm-hmm. like it. It feels very much like the idea of having an actual narrative and characters you give a shit about is something they do not want, or if it happens, it is an afterthought. Yeah, uh, you want a uh, almost religious focus on on the sac- uh, sanctity of die rolls. That uh, that things like fudging dice are basically just sinful. Well, everything in this is supposed to be like oh, you shouldn't be able to just narratively say that something happens. Everything should be random. The dice shall decide. And the dice are God. There's also a very, very heavy uh, reliance on auto-fails, auto-succeeds, this idea that uh, having a system that is like in a range band... Mm-hmm. Has a curve towards one end or the other is yep. weird for them, like they want it to be as random as possible. Yeah, and then there's also, I, I don't know if I call this an OSR thing, but it certainly is something that feels like it's heightened within the OSR genre of games, the antagonistic DM model, where where the book generally tends to present it, present itself as, oh, this will put one over on your stupid players. Oh, to, you could you could use this to trick them. Don't forget to offer them this devil's bargain. That kind of thing, where it's like, ah, perhaps you'll have to hoist them by their own petards. Well, I I don't know that I would say that is specifically to OSR. It certainly is specific to this game. Oh, yeah. But Uh, I I would say one of the things about that more in this book is, in addition to the guy writing it, definitely having that, like, oh, yeah, make sure you fuck your players over by giving them bad choices and making them seem good, he also... Uh, relies very heavily on. It seems like he's having an argument because he assumes someone is arguing with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like there's he, a lot of that tone. He wrote a book and then he'll put a rule out there and spend three paragraphs arguing with you why that rule is in the book. Yes, yeah, right down to the point where it's like in the skills of this game, which are basically the powers that the various classes can have. He'll some of the, half the skill text is like justifying why this skill is the way it is. Oh yeah, he's this is definitely someone that's like. Oh, I've spent too much time on message boards and online uh, stuff, and I know that any time I talk about one of these, no, there's just going to be someone who's going to come in and comment saying whatever. So I'm just going to start arguing it right away. Yeah, the book was written on the defensive, yeah, which is which is weird. Uh, the other thing I would say I have never encountered the phrase "nasty little" <laughs> as much as you do in this book. No. Every everything in this book is this nasty little role will certainly put players in their place. I don't- this. This nasty little skill will certainly whip someone into shape. I don't know. I feel like Leia in any of those expanded universe. <laughs> Ew, books, these nasty little dogs. Ah, uh, these nasty little aliens. I hate them. <laughs> Ugnots are a nasty little scourge upon I mean, that's them. true. That is very accurate. I are mean, you- if you're going to be space racist against something, let's just be honest here. Ugnats are what you should pick. All right, fine. Let's change it to something where you wouldn't agree with that. This nasty little Chadra fan keeps trying to get me to give it some fruit. Oh, get out of here. Chadra fan's the best thing in the world. <laughs> it's a friendly little bat person, and they get drunk off non-rotten fruit. It's so good. Don't you just want to have a Chadra fan around all the time? I do. Yeah. So so when Leia calls one a nasty little Chadra fan. Nasty little Chadra fan. <laughs> so- Sounds like something an imperial officer would say. Yes. But no, this book, I, I'm not joking, it says nasty little enough that I started to notice it and keep track. Because it just, everything was, this nasty little device. It was like the book was written by, uh, what's his face? Um, uh... Gargamel. Yes. It's like it was written by Gargamel. Half the book is instructions on how to get Smurfs. The other half is recipes. <laughs> the other half is mostly yelling at a cat? It's cat. I don't understand. It's cat care tips. <laughs> No, I was thinking of Vincent Price. Okay, this nasty little tale. That's that's the kind of thing I, I expected from this. This skill presented for the approval of the Midnight Society. <laughs> Have you ever heard the rumor that the Midnight Society, like themselves, are ghosts of of children who died in, in terrifying ways? <laughs> Because you notice that they all show up from different directions to a random point in the woods, like from different directions, even though you'd think the town would be more or less one direction from the woods. Oh, yeah. And and no one ever comments on their own family or their own lives or anything, and they just tell each other spooky stories and then disappear into the woods again in random directions. (laughs) It's a ghost conclave, John. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh, have you heard the one where any cartoon show ever is the people are dead? Because that's everything. That's the laziest theory you can have. Todd, so, have you ever heard that the SpongeBob SquarePants story is actually a Jacob's Ladder and he died in the first episode? Uh, You ever hear uh. that? Huh? You ever you ever been the laziest fucking theorist ever? No, there's the other one. The one where uh, the there's the character sometimes acts differently than normal, so they're probably they probably have an evil twin. So there's there's a couple of them. Yeah, good, great. <laughs> Also, let's be clear here. Uh, th- scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, or whatever that show was called, was... Uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah, whatever. Whatever that show was called, I covered it, Yeah, uh, was not a cartoon. Let, let's be honest Let's here. be very, very let's honest. Let's be super clear here. Did that show ever have a famous person before they were famous on it? Uh. No. Not that I can think of. It's kind of a dying ground. I mean, I have to assume that actually one of the actors, not like one of the main kids, but like one of the actors in an episode, they had to have gotten someone in there. It's like, I want to watch it now just to see if I can spot like a young, hungry Paul Giamatti or something. (laughs) Yeah. He's young and he's hungry. (laughs) Half of Paul Giamatti's movies are he's young and he's hungry. I mean, he's like the villain in Dunstan Checks In. (laughs) He lets them paint him blue for most of the movie. Oh. All right. So, uh, okay. We... The, the the book's tone is frustrating and just infuriating. This will this thing'll rile up your blood. Like the book, like we were saying, is tiny and 90 pages long and you can only read two or three pages at a time before you need to go and have yourself an angry walk. Oh my god, every, I got this book from Jeff to read this week and every few pages I was like I have to put this down. Or my eyes are going to roll so hard, I will go blind. <laughs> You'll get a medical condition. I'm going to be like, guys, I can't see anymore. My eyes have permanently rolled back into my head. I have sarcastia, guys. <laughs> I can't I can't keep reading this book. I'm sorry. There was there was one thing where he said that arc creation, that's arc with a K, creation with a K, mm-hmm. well, you need to ask your creator with a K whether or not your spoints can be used in the spanty. And I was like... You know what? I'm going to burn this book. I don't need to review this. <laughs> Fuck it. I've read two pages. I'm done. So, all right. Let's really get into this. First of all, uh, you're playing the game in a place called Wegs World. And Wegs World is a very standard, like, Dungeons Dragons-esque uh, sort of... Well, it's oh, the it's- old school D&D where there is no real setting. It's just points You of are light. an adventurer. Yeah. But there's no setting, but there are races, and the races are very regimented in terms of what they do. Yeah. And then there's a whole paragraph called, but my favorite fantasy role-playing game, dot, dot, dot. Oh, man, which you, is you, you're making my eyes roll back again. <laughs> so the the chap- the subchapter, but my favorite fantasy role-playing game, dot, 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 is the author of the book explaining to you as if you were a five-year-old why you can't play as your favorite races in this game yet. Yeah. Oh, maybe, maybe when you get a hold on this game and you really understand the nuance and depth of WEG's Then you can make your own characters. So there are five races in this game, and those are Elf and Dwarf, which are... uh, Elves in this game are basically, like, dryads or nymphs. Uh, They are more or less just elves, but their big thing is that they are young tree people. And when they get old, they turn into treants, and then eventually they just turn into trees. Yeah. So they will eventually... When they get really, really, really old, and they do live a long time, they will become sessile trees. And so the young ones spend most of their time defending the guardians of their ancestors. Yeah, so like... They all live in your standard like elf tree village, but the trees in the tree village are old elves. A group of elves is called a gladum, for some reason. Great. And elves get the following bonuses, plus six to grace or plus three to prowess. Uh, Those are rank and not INI scores. And in fact, that's a good time for us to segue out of talking about the races and get back over to character creation. (laughs) Because Lord knows you deal with a lot of that first. And because those bonuses are stupidly minor. Oh yeah, so... In order to make something in this game, you have three columns of bullshit. Well, you have 2d6 and 2d10. That's all you'll ever use for anything in this game is 2d6 and 2d10. But the descents do need to be different colors because you'll be making a lot of percentile rolls. Yep. But when you are first rolling up your character, you will go a straight down the line... Roll of your 2d6 and your 2d10. You'll re-roll any ones until no ones longer appear. And then whatever that number is, that is your initial rank in that stat. Now, you need to keep track of all three aspects of your stat, because you'll be testing against all three of them all the time for various stupid things. So that's your INI, or initial rank stat. So, for example, if you rolled a, I, I don't know, i I'm six... sorry, hold on. For weg example For Weg-sample, <laughs> you would... Thank you, John. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you. <laughs> <laughs> For example, if you rolled a 16 on those uh, 2d6 and 2d10, you'd write that down under your first stat. Your stats in the game are warrior strength, ranger strength. Moon. Well, no, those aren't your stats. Oh. Those are your derived stats. Oh, you're right. I'm so sorry. Oh, I feel you, terrible now. You actually have It's been a while. Prowess, mm-hmm. ruggedness, yeah. yeah. stealth, ingenuity, grace, and sanity. Uh-huh. So, down the line, 2d6 plus 2d10, use all of them, Reroll any ones until you no longer have any ones, and write those down in order. Now, there is one chance that you get to switch stats around. Otherwise, the book has a whole subject, a paragraph about why you don't switch stats around. And it's because the greatest role-playing game characters of history didn't get to rearrange their character stats. Yeah. Yes, they did, you shitface. How come all these people never did any fucking research? First edition D&D was 4D6, drop lowest, arrange as desired was method one. Yes. There's a, you know, a very high nostalgia of what I remember and think things were rather than what they were in games like this. Yeah, I don't know what it is with the OSR people, and they replace their... It's like they have poop in their eyes, and they think they're wearing rose-colored glasses. That's, that's (laughs) like, what it is. It's the same as the people nowadays who remember playing the original EverQuest, and they're like... Man, I had to run for three hours to get to a boat, and if I missed it, I'd wait there for two hours. Then I'd get to another zone, and when I got there, it would load after 20 minutes, and then I'd die. It was the best. I had to switch between two songs, which meant that I just kept pressing one, two, one, two, while running around in a village for hours and hours collecting ogres or whatever. Then other people would kill them, and maybe I'd get a cloak. Yeah. It was the greatest thing in my life. This was the best game ever. I'm like, no, why? Why do you think this? Why are you like this? I would say who hurt you but I know that it's everquest. Yeah, no, it's it's like driving in a convertible through a huge hive of bees and thinking, "Oh yeah, this reminds me of my youth." <laughs> cuz okay, it's just wrong though. I mean, AD&D first edition, the uh the DM guide gave you the first rules for how to roll your character stats and method 1 was drop roll 46, drop the low die, arrange as desired. Yep. That was method one. It wasn't roll 3D6 straight down the line, you dipshits. And, that was in only, fact, it said, don't do this. Yeah, it specifically said not to do that. And then for some reason, because I think idiots got hold of the reins, 2nd edition's method one was roll 3D6 down the line, no changing. Yeah. And then because 2nd edition was out and happening right when Palladium came out, that became Rift's official roll down the thing. And it just propagated out into the world as a dumb shit idea for fuck faces. <laughs> But tell me how you really feel, I'm Jeff. so mad, John. It's all coming back to me. I haven't had this book for a week, so I was pleasant and ready to go. And now I'm remembering how fucking pissed I was at this thing. Anyway, you don't get to rearrange your stats, except that you take whatever your highest roll was and swap it into the slot of whatever your your uh, class stat is, whatever the yeah. primary stat of your so if, your arc or character stat. Or, if I'm a warrior, it's uh, prowess, yeah. so... Whatever my best initial was, I get to swap that over into prowess. But then everything else stays where it was. And I have to swap what my prowess was with whatever I'm swapping into. So I can't just say like, oh, I'll take the one from this because my best role was, I don't know, in something I like, but not as much. Let's say your best role was like grace and you would like to be a warrior. You have to switch your, your, or say your best role was in ruggedness, and you want to be a warrior. You have to switch ruggedness and, and uh, strength, whatever those were. Even if you'd rather switch with, like, grace or sanity or something that you don't give a shit about when you're being a warrior. Yeah. You, you have to make the switch there, even if it would make your character weaker overall. Yeah. So, uh, so that, that's the only time you get to swa- switch. It's got its own name. It's called the INI Flop hmm Because everything in this game has to have its uh, its own acronym. Oh, my God. There is a page of just acronyms in this. And I understand that a lot of uh, RPGs have their own acronyms. It's going to be a thing where you're like, okay, we've got some rule and we've got an acronym for it. And I'm okay with that for, for a certain degree. There is a degree of acronym that I am willing to let slide. Uh-huh. But especially for this game where it's like, oh, we have acronyms for things that are rules that aren't actually rules. Or things that will only turn up one time after the acronym is is introduced. Like, uh, There's points in this book, though, like the spells. By the time you get to the spells, which is the last part of character creation, uh, they are so rich with acronyms that the spells don't have words on them. (laughs) It'll be things like fryballs, Balls, uh, Olps, Generates an SFI, OAPS, It's a WAPA Spell. Don't forget D6 SP times SPS Dimj. Yep. And you're just like, "What?" Oh, oh, do- a- Axi, <laughs> which is telling you the the type of of spell gener- uh, like uh, zone it creates. And it just there's no words in there. No, there's- it it is too many. It that's again, one of my main problems with this is it goes too hard with too many things. Mm-hmm. Like I'm willing to forgive a game that puts Ks in a bunch of things. If that's your dumb gimmick, fine. It hurts my oh, eyes. It sucks. Yeah. Because reading, I'm like, uh, I, yeah, I get it. But every time you say, you know, scholar and it's got a K or you say creator with a K, I'm going to die a little inside. Mm-hmm. But if it's your only gimmick, I'm fine with it. Yeah, but like I'll still you, play Mortal Kombat. Yeah, but then when you also add in spoints and spupping and spanty, I'm like, no. And OPS, and WAPA, and and SFI, and uh, OAPS, and OASS, or whatever those are. Oh, oh, no, it's uh, one skill per action. Oh, it's OIPI, because it's one uh, action per inning. Yeah, one action per inning. And OSPI, one skill per inning. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, anyway, back to stats. That's your INI role. It's your initial role. The next thing you need to calculate is your... Uh, your column two, you'll have your rank, rank, which your your skill rank with, or a uh, stat rank. Yeah, and you get that at least is an array. Mm-hmm. You get a a thirty, uh, two twenties, and then three tens. Yes, you add, and you're gonna put those in columns. So, for example, if you're playing a warrior, you've already flopped your your lowest i n i roll, uh, or I'm sorry, you've already flopped your highest i n i roll into prowess, and then you're gonna put, most likely put your thirty in prowess as well. Yes, so those are just an array, and you put them out array style. Uh, those are your st- what is strengths? Or st- or That's st- just your rank. That's rank. Okay. Then you add the two together, and that generates your stat percentage. Yes. So you take whatever you rolled plus whatever the rank is. That gives you the percent. Keep track of all of these numbers because you need to. Some, you'll be tested against them individually very, uh, at various times. Also, some of them go up based on what race you are, and some of them go up based on spending XP. But only certain ones to keep you at, so that there's like a a, a generated maximum. Uh, because you when you're playing a, like, for example, an elf gets plus six prowess or plus three grace uh rank bonus, not INI bonus. But humans get a bonus to their INI so that humans... A th- bonus of one. One. But it does mean that a human with a maximum roll and a bonus has a higher flat skill percentage than anyone else in the game. Yeah. The most you can roll in a game is a 32 for your INI. Mm-hmm. Uh And the maximum allowed rank you can get is sixty six which so means the highest you can get is ninety eight unless you are a human who rolled a thirty two and then was also from a subclass of human that gave them a plus one to their i n i, and also your creator allows you to do that. Yes, and it, once you get to maximum rank, you now have a 99% chance of doing things. Here's the problem. It doesn't say anywhere that I can find it in the book that that helps get around the automatic critical failure that begins at 97? No. The only thing it does for you is uh, insanity in this game as mm. a percent stat. There is a is uh, two different rules you can do. If you get an insanity that's higher than your sanity score, then maybe you just lose the character or whatever the difference is between your sanity and insanity, if you are more insane, you take that as a negative penalty to your rolls? Yes. So if you had a 98 or a 99, then great. You could have one extra buffer there. Sanity is also a slow burn mechanic in this game that will eventually kill every character no matter what. There's no way to get rid of it, and it just gets a little higher every time you get scared or whatever. Yep. So it's it's just like Call of Cthulhu, except that Cthulhu at least had the... Oh, you could do psychotherapy or whatever and slowly cut and start of stem the tide. This is just sort of a hard limiter on how high level a character can go. Yeah, basically the only thing that will help stem the tide of you getting fucked over by insanity is raising your sanity stat. However, sanity is not rolled for fucking anything and is useless. And the book even says the sanity stat is more than likely going to be the lowest stat for every character. Yeah. Oh, for Christ's sake. Although, I don't know why. Oh, I guess... No, it would only be the lowest stat for any... Oh, I guess after Array. It would be the lowest rank and stat percentage for every character, but you can't move your INI out of Insanity unless you rolled lowest Insanity to start with. Yeah, but it's also one of those things where the book, instead of having experience points you get, the, uh, the oh, yeah, creator get will just hand you out, like, you get 6% to put into a stat, and when your uh, choice is... to the stat that I roll for everything that I do, or a 6% to sanity, which I might maybe roll once ever, but it will stop me from getting fucked up if I'm too insane, means you put nothing into it until you get to the point where your insanity is bumping up against it, and then maybe you throw some points in there. That is correct, yeah. All right, let's talk about the five classes that make up the choice, because they're really important at this stage. Uh, They are. Well, yeah, we didn't go over all the races either. Well, yeah, but they come later in the book. You get, st- you get uh, classes before races when you're making your way through at least in terms of introduction as what they are because you need to, because you have to put various array stats into your highest stat which means you need to know what your class is. Uh, okay, so the stats or the classes are uh, Warriors. Warriors use the prowess stat. Uh, they get a 30% armor buff. Yep. Uh, they get access to the warrior skills which will be talked about 50 pages from now and you don't know what they are at the moment. That's it. Yeah, everyone is just You get access to the skills for your class, you get a base armor percentage, and then uh, you have whatever your main stat is, and it will tell you that. Uh Uh-huh. So, Rangers use the ruggedness stat. They have a 25% armor bonus. They use ranged weapons, which is what the ruggedness stat is for. That's literally what ruggedness is for, everybody. It's ranged ranged weapon attack. I gotta say... I mean, I know this game is just hot garbage top to bottom, but the fact that prowess wasn't for rangers and ruggedness for warriors feels really wrong to me. Because the whole point should be prowess is like, oh, I'm very adept at using a thing, and that that should be your ranger skill. And then ruggedness is mostly just, I'm a big old slab of meat, and I'm coming at your face, and that should be a warrior. I know. I don't disagree. I think literally we're solving backwards for what was originally called Ranger Score. (laughs) I I literally think that's what happened. So, uh, okay. Tricksters are rogues. They come in two varieties, uh, skillful or lucky. They use the move stat, and they have a... Well, they use stealth. Oh, sorry. That's right. They use stealth, which will eventually become the move strength stat. Yes. Uh, And they they get a choice of two different types of armor based on whether they chose lucky or skillful. Uh, Normally, it's... uh, 20% 20% armor. They also get a bonus to either that armor score or to their points total. They are terrible. They are real bad. I mean, they can ostensibly have a better armor score than the warrior because your invul- well, invulnerability is your armor plus your stealth percent. Mm-hmm. So because tricksters rely on stealth and it'll be their highest thing, they have a better rank in their sort of evasion, so they could have a better invulnerability score than a warrior, but all of their skills are garbage, and their stat, do- they still need to attack you with see- either ruggedness or prowess, Yeah. so all their high stealth does is make them a little better defensive and faster. Y- yeah. Okay, then you've got scholars, which are separated into two subcategories. But they share a number of similarities. They have the same amount of armor, for example. They're basically just wizard or priest, which are called mages and sages, because they wanted it to rhyme. Hey, great. Uh they both get uh they both get a ten percent armor uh bonus, and they also get plus one D six insanity points with uh you don't really get anything about that. They just start with that. Yeah, they I don't understand why I mean the I get because oh you're talking to Crazy forces, so you're slightly more insane, but also, you've already penalized their armor, and spells aren't honestly that much better than just attacking a dude. Yeah, they're slow and they have more chances to fail. Yeah, you've got. You have to spend a shitload of your points on them. Yeah. Which you're going to have more than a normal person, but whatever. And especially as a mage, most of the shit you do is like, oh, you can spend two turns, and then you'll finally cast a spell, and it does almost as much damage as a warrior hitting something. You're like, why? Why did I do that? At least the the heal stuff, and uh, the priest also has a spell that, like, hands out spoints to people. Yeah, it's sagacity. It's an, it's just a generic ability they have. Well, they also have a spell that's like ah. a prayer that gives out some spoints yeah, yeah, a right. Week. right. But that's, that's the sort of thing where I look at it and go, oh, well, at least that's useful. Yeah. The mage is like, oh, I cast icy hands, and it took me two full rounds to cast it, and now on the third round, I can shoot ice beams at people. They automatically hit. I don't need to roll for it, but it does like less damage than a standard arrow, yeah. so good for me. No, It's real weird, but it, they also get slightly insane for their trouble. Uh, they use your their choice of either grace or ingenuity. Grace is if they're a priest, uh, ingenuity is if they're a mage for their primary statistic, and they get 10% armor. Yep. And then they also get access. They they will when we get down into the nitty gritty get a bonus to points, much like how warriors will get a bonus to their armor percentage or their invuln score, uh, and so on. Each one of them gets an interesting bonus they can use. Um, I don't know why I'm saying interesting. <laughs> uh, okay, the races. Uh, as I was saying before, there are five. We already talked about the elvish gladoms. Uh, elves get plus six rank, which you'll notice by now means plus six percent. Yep. When you when you get down to it, so it's pathetic or plus 3% to a, to uh, Grace instead of Prowess. Yeah. Then you've got to talk about dwarves, which are dark-skinned... Like, you know what a fucking dwarf is. What am I d- They're fucking dwarves. They're fucking dwarves. They, they didn't change anything. They didn't. They did not. The one thing they changed is that the dwarves believe that a, a god of eyes will show up someday and walk them on the silver path away from the Weggs world and... You know what? I kind of fantasize or th- sympathize <laughs> with the dwarves in this situation. Please get me away from this bullshit. Please lead me down the silver path. Does that mean I need to drink mercury till I don't remember this game? I'll do it. <laughs> Give me that colloidal mercury. Oh, hell silver. yeah, dude. Give me some of that colloidal silver. I'm going to blew myself. <laughs> I'm sorry, Michael. I just blew myself. There's got to be a better way to say that. <laughs> All right. So the other ones uh, the dwarves get bonuses of grace or prowess. Mm-hmm. You get. A- 6% grace, 3% prowess. Uh, and they arrange themselves into dwarf holds. The next one is the, the goblins. Uh, goblins do not look at all like goblins. <laughs> goblins aren't goblins. Goblins are Disney's, basically trolls? They're trolls. They look like Disney's gargoyles without the wings. Yeah, they're trolls with horns. Yeah, they're horn trolls. They're Great. troll babes, except they're dudes. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so they're basically just trolls. They get a bonus to what's it? rugged prowess? Uh they get a bonus to either it's back their behind armor her. percent. That's right. They get like a 3% armor bonus or they get a bonus to I think stealth? Prowess, no, it's prowess. prowess. It's prowess. Yeah, cuz they're big. But female dwarf or sorry, uh goblins can choose to drop either of those for plus 6% to ingenuity. Yes. Oh, and by the way, each one, the reason that they're getting ingenuity versus grace bonuses as we're going down the line, like dwarves get grace, for example, is because they're divided based on what realm they're from. Yeah, there's a mystical and a magical for the realm, though I, I feel like that's kind of weird, because it's not like, oh, I come from a place and only mystical energy exists there. It's mostly just a, this race has a background in only being wizards or only being priests. Yeah. Humans are the one that can choose to be wizards or priests. The others are all limited based on whether they're from a mystical or magical realm. Uh, And then Nobbits The fourth race, Nobbits Fucking Nobbits Are not from either realm. They choose either one of those stats, whichever one's higher, for generating their spoint totals. But they're not from either realm, so they cannot choose to be a scholar of any kind. Uh, They are underground monkeys. They're supposed to be gnomes and hobbits combined together, so it's G-N-O-Bit, knobbit. No, I get that, but no amount of them is like either one of those things, because they are literally... Well, they've got furry feet. They've got furry everything. They're shrieking underground monkeys. (laughs) Ah. They're literally cave, like like burrow-dwelling monkeys. Eh, pretty Uh, much. So they're smaller than everyone else. They make okay... Tricksters, not that that's useful, and if they're one of the two types of tricksters, they get a special ability of being able to get into someone's square with them, like an enemy square, and reduce their invulnerability percentages. Yeah, if you get uh, into someone's square, you it's called a knobbit invasion, Ugh. then uh, you can lower their invulnerability score, and uh, mostly... Th- just be a nuisance? Like, that's their whole thing? They get plus six to stealth score and nothing else. They have no options there. Their society is called Knobbit Punts. Which, no. No, fuck you. No. <sighs> uh, punt is actually the term for the holes they dig to live in. Yep. And they're marsupials, just in case you were curious just about in the case bio- you wondered. ...wonder about the bio-truths on these things. They're they're awful. Um, they're just supposed to be the trickster race. Yep. Finally, we come to Hummin's... Them humniz, them humniz, humniz are, are the humans of this world. Uh, but they're spelled humniz. Uh, they get, bon- they, get a, uh, bonus to score, to they get a bonus to ini score to points. They get a bonus to points. They get plus sevens points. But they also then they come in three societies. Yeah, there's it, three things where it's basically uh, the Nords, which are barbarians, the, the Aucklandians. Aucklandians which are your standard like society like higher society and then the more gravies which are like transylvanians. your transylvanians like well you're you're rangers you're we live out in the the rugged wilderness guys do you think that he knew that he had written out more gravies i or do you think it's supposed to be more or something like that i think it's supposed to be more gravis, yeah but I mean, ever since you said more gravies, I was like, well, yeah, obviously it's more gravies. There's no way it's anything but more gravies, right? It's spelled M-O-R-G-R-A-V-I-S. It's It's like I'm having poutine, and I'm like, excuse me, can I have more gravies? Thank you. I need more gravies. I need, I gotta have more gravies. (laughs) Gotta have more gravies? I got a fever. (laughs) Excuse me, I'm at Poutine Palace, and uh, I would like to try some more gravies for this if I could. (laughs) Could we just step up to the gravy window, please? <laughs> Pull around to the second window for gravies? Yeah. Uh, for Christ, humans get to choose either ingenuity or grace. They co- they come from both realms, and so they are allowed to choose whether they would like to be a sage or a mage, if they choose to be a scholar at all. Yes. Woo! Yep. Now, the your stats give you a derived stat, which is called your strength. For the first two, it's fairly simple. You've got a warrior strength from prowess, and a Ranger Strength from Ruggedness. Then Stealth generates a Move Strength, and that's everyone's Move Speed. Uh, you've got your, from either Ingenuity or Grace, will give you your Spell Point Strength, yeah. or SPS. your spis, Which is different from Spoints, which is different from SPI. Yes. Uh, and then your Sanity doesn't actually give you anything, it's just what you'd roll to stop from getting Insanity. Mm-hmm. So you've got your four strengths, your your warrior strength, ranger strength, move strength, and spiss, spell point strength. Yeah. Now you're going to also need to get uh your few points, mm-hmm. which is just a D6. You get a D6 few points. That's few like, oh, gosh, that almost hit me. Yeah, I've got P-H-E-W exclamation point points. Yes, those are your, you spend them automatically to avoid near-death experiences or NDEs. Yeah. Uh, which is when you get hit and you're already on the ground or whatever and you're about to die. Uh, the other thing, to calculate your, your strength scores, like your warrior strength and so on, you just knock the ones digit off whatever your stat is. Yeah, so, so if I have a 43, I've got a 4. If I had a 49, I'd still have a 4. Yes, but increasing your rank increases your uh, your stat percentage, which means that eventually you can uh, get, you can push those numbers up, so you, you can push them up by 1. Yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> the other thing you'll get is your invuln total, which is your starting armor from whatever your class is, mm-hmm. and then the stealth rank, not your total percentage and not your I&I, I, just the rank. Yeah, just the rank number. So, for example, a warrior who has a 30 in invuln, uh, who is a goblin, can have a 33, and then they, if they put 20 into their strength, then now they've got a 53 invuln percentage. Stealth. But, oh, sorry, stealth percentage? Yes. Huh. It's, it's your starting armor plus stealth percentage. Oh. Or not percentage, I was, rank. I was going to total. So the total though is your invulnerable percentage. The total right? is invulnerable. Yeah, so I was saying, stealth so, rank plus so th- so twenty plus thirty three equals fifty three yep. invulnerable percentage. Right. Okay. Um. So, but keep and keep all those numbers written down because touch attacks will only target your stealth percentage, and area attacks will only target your armor percentage. So everything is a roll under percentage thing, and mm-hmm. that's fine i mean whatever that's Uh, yeah we really gotta start talking about this don't we the fucking the fact that your roll looks like trying to roll without hitting the black keys on a piano yeah so you've got in this game not just a crit success and crit failure range sean for example (laughs) this game does not have crits in it it has wickeds uh yes you have a wicked success or a wicked failure thank you uh, so, and there is one more wicked failure number than wicked success and they actually have the fucking gall to call that the house advantage oh this hold on pause for a second because i'm about to get real angry at this game yeah, for John, a second. john's john's winding up steam right now he's firing guns at the ground and floating <laughs> on a smoke cloud okay Dude. i can forgive your dumb bullshit k's in your language I can forgive the fact that you want to use stupid terms like spoints and spanty. What I can't forgive is your constant mixed metaphors. Mm -hmm. Fuck you, book. This book is full of oh man, we use 2D6 and you should use craps dice because craps is a game of, of uh, all, all luck and, and you got to roll the dice and, and these dice don't lie. It's like craps. Anyway, here's the spanty. and the spanty, we have an ante like poker because this game is like poker. Now, once an inning because this game is like baseball and I'm like, I will fucking murder you. I you, hate you so much. Why aren't the rounds called hands in this game? The, okay. Either they should have gone with a full-on craps theme, Which, or I don't a know full-on what you call, poker theme. What do you call a full event in craps? Like the, from the moment someone throws the dice the first time to the second time, what are you calling that? What what is that phase? Uh, you actually don't really have a name for it. You have your initial come-out role, okay, uh, and then after that, you basically establish. Uh, the come out for what you need to roll again before you crap out. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of terms you could use for craps that would sort of work for this. If you wanted to skip to just one of the two gambling metaphors, you could use, really easily use poker. Because you have the anti-system, that's fine. The craps doesn't really provide anything to this game other than the very concept of two six-sided dice. Also, I'd like to say that the fact that they call this the spanty, because they're like, oh, it's an anti-thing. Except it isn't. It's not. You don't have to throw in to keep playing. It's an it, upkeep thing. It is. If you have something to upkeep, you can throw it in then. Or if you have, mostly it's just bookkeeping for like, oh, I had a uh, an, an effect that was on me and I need to roll to get out of it. Yeah. Then you would try to roll to get out of it during that. It isn't like, oh, every round you have to pay a point to keep playing. No, that would be an ante. What you have is basically Magic's upkeep phase. Yeah. So basically, we have craps is sort of the general analogy for the game, that the guy wants you to really think about craps, to the point where he gives you some really weird messages about craps. He's like, the only way to win is to keep playing. Ask any seasoned craps player. (laughs) And you're like, I don't feel like any seasoned craps player would be like, I wish I could stop playing this. (laughs) No, a a seasoned craps player would be like, oh, no, the the only way to win is to uh, find a table and play the odds And if you fuck up because it's an odds game, then you stop before you lose too much. That's how you win at craps. But there's more than once in this game where he's like, just like the seasoned craps players, you need to learn to play the edge. And you're like, dude, no, stop that. Stop telling me that professional gamblers are the people you want in this game. What are you doing? Oh, also, he keeps talking about how like, oh, yeah, you've got to try and like hit these weird things. And that's how you'll make it big. I'm like, no, every craps player will play the safest numbers possible. If they see someone put a bet on you're gonna roll two twos in the next roll. They are laughing hysterically at what an idiot you are. Yeah, I, but and then baseball because rounds happen in innings for no reason. Why are we doing that? Why aren't we just calling them rounds or like hands? Do a poker analogy if you want, but you got, then you get an ante and you've got a hand, and the, the, it's a, it's a div, it's an easy division. Oh yeah, well on all of these things for uh, like minions, you track their health with poker chips mm-hmm. and. So it really wanted to lean into something and couldn't decide. Yeah, plus the accuracy in this game is a curling metaphor that is just... So- <laughs> oh, that would be great. <laughs> no one would notice. <laughs> okay, no, what we were saying a second ago, a 1 or a 2 on a, on a percentile roll is a wicked success. and 1, wicked, 2 or 3. 1, 2 or 3. But a 97 through double zero is a wicked failure. Also, any number above 0, in case you're rolling with a huge bonus, is also a wicked failure. Uh... Like a raging bonus, John. I've got a raging bonus right now. <laughs> the, the the problem is the game also has what are called good shots and, and bad shots. Oh, God. So good shots are any number that's doubles on the D10 roll that still hits a success by rolling underneath whatever your target difficulty was. Uh, a bad shot is any number that ends in a zero that still succeeds. Or No, it doesn't matter whether those succeed or not. Yeah, now... Uh, just so you know, that means there's also one more bad shot than there is a good shot because 99 is still a wicked failure. Now, technically, it's a wicked failure and not a bad shot, although he still does want to drag about, drag up the fact that the game's rigged against the players one more time yes. in case you forgot. And again, let me just... The smugness of this fucking guy who's like, like uh, the players are probably going to fail for playing. Try to encourage their failure. Dude. It's not exciting if you manage to make the players fail if you have all the cards. Yeah. You're running the game. You could at any point be like, all right, everyone has whooping cough. Uh, <laughs> Pertussis kills all of you. It, it sucks. Uh, I outsmarted you all. Yeah. Oh, I, what would you like to do? I open that door. The door explodes. You die. <laughs> Maybe you should have asked me if the door would explode. and Maybe next time you'll think. Just, uh. just stop it. Just don't do that. You're... You're not impressive for killing your players. You're impressive for if everyone there has a good time. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the only metric. Oh, but don't worry because half of this is analogies to different games for some reason. The other half is him telling you how when he would play this at conventions – Oh how the players would laugh and caper, and they would love when he'd put down his copper pot. Oh, the dread copper pot is what it came to be known as at conventions. Oh, they by would, who you liar? They would throw in spoints of plenty, and they would they would laugh and and tumble as their characters died. <laughs> But yeah, there's a part where he's talking about the spanty pot that he puts on the table that's made of copper. And he says, the players came to know it as the dread copper pot. And I'm like, no, they didn't. The dread Chester copper pot. (laughs) My players found him while looking for one-eyed Willie's treasure. (laughs) They refused to stay to the right. I like that. (laughs) Your fucking intro to this episode was very true that we are going to just go off on some dumb 80s and 90s shit. (laughs) This book is very, very, very dry. Like, even the skill descriptions and so on don't have any words about what the fuck it is that the character is doing. It'll be like, oh, are you using Mighty Whack? What does Mighty Whack do? Oh, it reduces their invuln percentage by 20% and does... does You get that. a bonus 8 to your damage, which... But it creates a skill-free inning. It's, it's time for me to talk about damage in this. Hang on, we need to finish up with Good Shots, Bad Shots. Oh yeah, Good Shots will give you a bonus percent to either... Uh, your damage die, mm-hmm. or your skill, like, if you were going for an effect, it'll give you a bonus equal to whatever the doubles was. So if you rolled double fours, you'd get a plus four. And, and bad shots will do the opposite. Now, keep in mind that means that when you're rolling your percentile roll, you have to deal with uh, ones, twos, threes, tens, elevens... <laughs> 20s, 22s, 30s, 33s, 40s, 44s, 50s, 55s, 60s, 66s, 70s, 77s, 80s, 88s, 90s, 99s, 97s, 98s, and 0s are all something special, so every time you roll percentile, you have to be really fucking careful. Look, okay, twos, eights, one-eyed jacks are wild. Also, if you get the Suicide King, it's a special round. We start playing a different game to then decide how this game goes. This game's going to be settled through a game of mousetrap. <laughs> it is so awful. Every time you roll, you've got to be like, all right, what dumb bullshit happens now? All right, what did you want to talk about? Was it skill percentages? Oh, it or? was damage. All right, so, fire away, my friend. The way damage works in this is we uh, mentioned that you have a strength score in your various things. Usually, all that really is going to matter is your prowess or ruggedness getting you your warrior or ranger strength. Mm -hmm. So, let's say uh, I've got a 53, which gives me a 5 warrior strength. Mm -hmm. When I go to do damage, I will roll my, and I hit, I will roll a d6 and multiply it by my strength. So, I'll roll a d6 times Uh 5, which means if I get something that's like, oh, I get plus 4 to my strength, uh, I'm getting instead of like plus 4 damage I'm getting a d6 times 9 now yeah and, and the uh, damage swing in this game is dumb yeah anywhere between 9 and 54 on that roll is an example yeah it is way example uh for example <laughs> you can get way too high into the damage and way too low to the point where Because this game is so obsessed with, the dice are gods, and oh, random chance shall decide your fate. I'm like, great, I do not dare to enter your magical realm, sir. Yeah, so damage is extremely swingy and annoying. It's also weird to me that, like, I was reading through this and talking to John before I gave him the book, and I was like, so I think damage in this game is entirely calculated by your primary stat times an arbitrary value. Or like a D6 value? And he was like, well, what about weapons? And I was like, I don't think this game has weapons in it. No, this game doesn't have any items. So There is a starting copper value, but then the book says also there's nothing to spend copper on. Your players will just feel better having some copper, though. Yeah, which is funny because there's a whole bit about how it only has copper in it because we didn't feel compelled to introduce additional numismatics. And I was like, yeah, okay, fine, whatever. I'm sure we also didn't need any lepidoptery, but no one's butterfly. <laughs> well, you light. see all of the fiduciary aspects of this. I'm like, Sh- shut up. Just stop. Shut up. Just just. who cares whether... Yes, you know what the word numismatics is. Ooh, gee, can I collect stamps in this game? Can I be a, phil- a philatelic? Please tell me I could be a philatelic. No, but... um. It's pointless. It's just pointless. It was another excuse for him to just sort of smugly show off. Also, it's, it's a way that you can do a thing like, oh, you you killed those monsters and you, you get some treasure. Here's a thousand copper pieces. What does that mean? Absolutely nothing. Fuck you. I think it's actually philatelist. I think a philatelic is someone who's obsessed with stamps. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think that would be... Yeah, no... Nah. Maybe. I think it's a philatelic. Someone who can't stop stamping. Yeah, I just can't stop stamping. (laughs) I've got to (laughs) stamp. Stamp my ass. (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) This fucking game. Okay, what? Are, what? how are we doing on time? Oh, yeah. I, I want to be real angry at many things still. I, we, have, we have very little time left, but you know what? Bonus episode. It's fine. I, I don't mean bonus content. I mean, we're just going to keep going. Yeah. We're at like 55 minutes or something. Okay, because <laughs> I'm still angry about oh, everything no. in this game. There's a million more things to talk about in this tiny little book. So, the skills in this. Everyone gets some skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, for warriors and rangers, three of them are skills that don't require a roll to do. They don't require uh, points to use. You can just use them, and they help you out in combat in one of three ways. Increasing damage. Decreasing, yeah, you can get a, a plus 40 or damage. You can decrease the armor percentage chance by of 20% of the enemy that you're swinging at. Or gain a plus 20% on your chance to hit. Yeah. Yeah, which I, the, the difference between those two is largely arbitrary. It just The only reason that they both exist is in case you're hitting a max with one or the other. Well, also, you can blitz is one of the things you can do. Mm-hmm. If you want to spend a point to blitz as a uh, warrior or a ranger, you can attempt a cold roll. Which we haven't talked about yet, and cold rolls are a nasty little mechanic. <laughs> you can attempt a cold roll, and if you uh, succeed you get to pick two and use them both. If you would like to know what a cold roll is, a cold roll is that you can roll 2d6 and 2d10, counting both as if they were percentile rolls, and see if your 2d10 beats your 2d6. Oh, that's a frozen roll. Oh, no. Because, because the, old- the cold roll, you actually add 20% to. No, I was I just wasn't there yet. You add 20% because you have a skill event, investment in there somewhere, and you can spup your roll. You can get spupped. Spupping is spending a, spoin- a, a spell point, or a spoint, for is it plus five percent? Plus ten. Plus ten percent. So for each spUP roll you you add, you add another ten percent to your success chance by increasing the by increasing the difficulty that you have to roll under. Yeah, so, so I guess decreasing the difficulty yeah, by ten percent. The, uh, the D six percentage is you take whatever the highest of the D six is and that's the tens, and if you have to roll under it, but if you roll two ones yeah, boxes you succeed boxes. or snakes And if you roll two sixes, then you fail, even though the higher percentages mean a better chance that you would succeed. But we decided, fuck all common sense. Well, the reason it's that way is because Snake Eyes is a failure in craps, right? Both of them are failures and crap. Oh, I thought boxcars was a good thing. No, if if on your come out roll, you roll a 2 or a 12, you auto crap out. Ah, well, well fucking fun. Yeah. How good of times these are. Except the 2 is an auto success, and the Wh- double 6 is why an why auto did, failure. Why didn't they make it the 11? Ele- oh, I know why they didn't make it the 11, because they didn't want it to be two different chances. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that's fine. All right, so, <laughs> because two 6s is closer to the, the wicked it- failure of the 90s, and the 11 is... Closer to the wicked success of, like, the 0-1s. I mean, they're both a 1 and 36. Yeah, it doesn't... I can't... This game, this <laughs> fucking game hurts me. Deep. Okay, so you, you set a difficulty by rolling 2d6 and then have to beat that difficulty by rolling 2d10, but you can fuck with it by adding your spups and your extra 20%. Uh, overall, it's, it's like, fuck, it, it might as well have all been replaced with flip a coin or spend a spell point to not flip a coin. Yeah. The- it would have been so fucking simple then. The weird thing with this game having, like, the cold rolls and the frozen rolls... Frozen roll, by the way, is j- literally a huge... It's like a whole page, and it's just for settling arguments between players. Oh, no, there are certain things in the game that will use frozen rolls. Oh, uh, okay. Well, frozen rolls, shitty as hell. It's roll 2d6 and roll 2d10, and if the 2d10 is lower than the 2d6, you succeed. Yeah, you can't spup it. You don't add anything to it. It's just a straight-up, see if these 10s beat 6s. Yeah, and it, it's the, the odds are fairly low. It's like a 30% chance. But the uh, the reason you're adding 20% to your cold roll is because you have a skill in something. Now... Oh, God, yeah, we got to talk about that. Skills have a level between one and four. You automatically have them at level four, all of them. There's no, like, oh, I have to rank up with experience on these. If you, you, even you, if you get one during play, it's at level four. Yeah, whatever you have as a skill for your character, it's level four. And that means... If you use that skill, then it'll be uh, at a 4 for whatever it is. So, you know, with skills, it's plus 5% per level, so 20%. Uh, for damage, it's plus 1 per level, so plus 4 damage, all of that. But the the game doesn't really have a mechanic for why you would use lower than 4. And unless the creator wants to impose a weird penalty... There's no game system that says you roll with a lower skill. No, it literally is, okay, so all the skills are at 44%, and if you have a skill... 77. 77%. If you have a skill lowering, it lowers in a very fun- funky way. So if you're, if you're at rank 1, you have an 11% chance of success. Rank 2, 33. Rank 3, 55. Rank 4, 77. Uh, so players don't want to roll less than rank 4 skills, and if they have their skill roll- lowered somehow, or if they have access to a skill at a lower level, they just won't use it. Which is fine, because they have no way of getting those other than arbitrary random penalties to skill percentage applied by the DM. Yeah. And the DM does it by skill per- skill rank, and not just by saying, oh, it's foggy in here, minus 20%. He has to say, it's foggy in here, minus one skill rank. Yeah. it. Even then, it's one of the things in the book where it happens a few times. There is something that should be a codified rule in the game that he just says, like, a creative DM will do whatever. And I'm like, okay, but is that a rule? Or is it just you saying you can fuck with it if you want to? My favorite example of one of those is in the Spanty description. Uh, Because it happens, you're right, it happens seven or eight times throughout the course of this book where he's like, a benevolent creator might, or a crafty creator will. uh, Which is just him saying, if you want to fuck with your players, do the following thing. Yeah. And the Spanty one is, you can roll, as an action in the game, you can roll to recover some spell points. Uh, And a a crafty creator may allow players to do this during the spanty phase instead of as an on-action turn, but he'll impose a surcharge of spoints and perhaps even more spoints to spup the roll. Like, basically saying, trick your players into wasting spoints on an a point recovery attempt. Yeah, it's like, oh, I spent four spoints and got back three. Oh, no. Oh, you sure have hoisted me by my petard. Boy, I sure was trying to have fun with this game, and you made it so that I suck more. You know what I want to do now is go to drinks after this with you, you shit. <laughs> I- Hey, you guys all want to go to karaoke and leave the DM here to to fucking baste in his own juices? Oh, yeah, don't worry. When he writes about it, it'll be, The players were so enchanted and they all left to go sing songs in my praise. (laughs) Oh, 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 how they capered and laughed. Thrice, by the way, did they caper and frolic. And they're just out there going, what a fucking tool. God, what a D-bag. I don't (laughs) understand. Let's play any other game and invite any other person. (laughs) So, uh... But yeah, that's that's a consistent thing and John's right. It should just be a rule if you want to put it in your book. Yeah, if D- it's a rule, then make it a rule. If it's an optional rule, list it as an optional rule. Don't list it as a fun little side story like you're elbowing me in a bar. Yeah, I don't need to have my rules listed in a random off paragraph where you are describing how you might run a game. Yeah. Every one of the half of the rules in this book are, are intimated to the the reader the same way an idiot in a bar would nudge you and say, "Hey, redhead." <laughs> Yeah, it's hey, hey, it's twins. It's so bad. Yeah, I. Yeah, no, I can't. Every time, every time he does anything in this book, it is it hurts my soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the blitz, which is a roll that you have to make, you have to make a cold roll to start up a blitz. Once you, you you succeed at a blitz, you get two actions in that phase instead of one. But you automatically suffer what's called an SFI or a skill free inning next round. Which is when you can make an attack, but you can't apply any kind of skills or anything to that attack. Yeah, so because you're getting to use two of your skills this round on your attack, so, you know, your plus four damage and plus 20% to hit or whatever you pick from Mm -hmm. your thing, next round you can't use anything and you just roll regular. Your regular crappy attack. Now, when you do a cold roll for any skill, regardless of what the skill is, if you succeed, you are considered to have also succeeded on the attack that it supplements yes that's correct uh that's only for skills that contain their own role though uh you for example the the blitz ability does not contain its own role you make a cold roll and then it allows you to make an attack roll but if you were to make a mighty whack which requires a cold roll which is a big old smacky hit then if you succeed at the cold roll, there's no further attack roll that you need to make. Yeah, there's a difference between passive skill bump uh, buffer skills and active skills that do a skill roll within themselves. The reason for that is because this game has two more acronyms that are fun to learn called... uh... OAPI and OSPI. These stand for one action per inning and one skill per inning. Uh, actions are the actual action of like taking an attack or going somewhere, moving around, uh, gathering spell energy, blast, casting a spell. There are seven of them. They're actually listed. There's seven big skills. Yeah, the big seven. The big seven, which are move, cast, and blast, uh, aim and fire, a- aim and fire, ready and attack, ready and attack. That's it. Yeah. Okay. That's seven. Uh huh. Aim and ignite uh tango and cash yeah sundance and jake and the fat man cassidy and and old lace and (laughs) arsenic and and my balls butch and the sundance kid (laughs) spongebob and patrick over and under (laughs) hiddledy piddledy hither and yon Uh oh (laughs) ooh, that little boy sure looks full of blood any anyway the 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 weird thing for the big seven to me is it gives such a huge advantage to warriors because... Please give me a way example. For way example. Thank you. <laughs> uh, in order to shoot an arrow, if you are a ranger, you have to spend one of your actions to aim. Mm-hmm. And that takes up a whole round because, again, OAPI. One action per inning, sir. So you can aim, and then next round you'll be able to shoot. Now, they do have a skill that you can attempt to do, which, if you succeed, lets you turn one aim action into four, so that that way you can do that, and then next round shoot four times. You can trade three of those actions to be allowed to smell the DM's pizza. <laughs> the, uh, the thing about that is, if you move at all, you lose that. Mm-hmm. So you have to just turret up. Uh, as well, for uh, scholars, if you want to cast a spell... Instead, you're blasting a spell because casting is gather energy. Using the spells of either sense mystic or sense magic. So you roll your, your skill, and if you succeed, then you get spell power. You get four spell power. You get a spell power that lasts for four rounds. Yes. And you can expend one of your your spell power that you have to cast or blast a spell. Mm-hmm. That's going to happen in another round. Yep. But Also, it, failures on that spell-gathering roll are hilarious, because they create dead zones on the battlefield. Well, that's the other thing, is if I go to uh, gather spell energy with my cast action, mm-hmm. and I fuck up, I get you know a wicked failure. What it means is, there's a null zone of magic around me, so I've spent one action to try and cast, failed. Now I have to spend my next action to move to a different square where energy can be gotten... Then wait. Then, next action, cast again to try and, again, get some spell energy. Then on my fourth action, I'll cast a spell. Yeah. That spell will do about as much damage as a warrior swinging once, and in this time, the warrior has swung four times. Yep. Because, well, three times, because he had to use his first action to ready his sword. Although well, it does mention- if his sword isn't out. Yeah, which mentions that the player can just say, oh, my sword was ready. Oh, yeah. You start the adventure, and you go- uh, my player uses his fucking broadsword as a walking stick. It's always out. I'll never need to ready. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh,
0: it's so dumb, John. Yeah, so it's... a lot of a lot of this is given over to the fact that uh, most people that aren't warriors are going to be spending a lot of time doing other actions. And, like, tricksters get a blitz of their own, but their blitz is that they get to move and attack if they succeed. Mm-hmm. And if they fail, they don't get to do either. <laughs> they get to just sit with a thumb up their butt. Congratulations. <laughs> Tricksters can also attack as often as warriors, but they're going to have a lower warrior strength. So. Yeah, they don't have the damage potential. They don't have the yeah, percentage da- to hit. Warriors get a bonus to both of those things. It's There is a big, there's a subchapter called Multi-Arcan, where you can pick a number of skills from whatever class you want. Mm-hmm. And it's dumb, but whatever. It's like they said, that's how we run it at conventions. Players who have more experience just get to choose their skills, which is especially helpful because each skill class in this game has a special defense ability or a uh, a skill defense or whatever they were called, where warriors are the only ones who have a defense against, an active defense against fear. It, it's an SRT or a strength resistance test. Thank because you. Because there is an acronym for everything. Yes, game. an SRT. Uh, SRTs cover fear for warriors, elements for rangers, uh, poison for, for tricksters, and the same kind of magic as the kind you cast for the two types of magic casters. Yeah, you can resist magic or resist mystic. Which means that if you're doing multi arcing, you just take warrior attack, because that's fucking great, and then you just take all those active defenses, so you're, you're super defense and you're just like, great, I'm done. Yeah, I mean, some of the skills are neat. Like, there's basically 11 skills for everyone that isn't a scholar because they get spells. Uh-huh. But three of them are just that uh the no roll i get a plus four damage i get a plus 20 percent hit whatever Mm -hmm. and then the other ones are usually shit like i hit real hard but then i suck next round i go yeah okay but you could you could also hit medium hard twice in a row and not worry about it i guess you use it if like the the monster is almost dead and you're like all right if i hit it with a mighty hit it'll die now and i won't have to deal with one more round of it swinging at us well the the thing with that is you have to get to a point where armor their like invuln percentage is low because any you take a hit you have you get the chance to roll under your invuln. Uh-huh. And if you do then you don't take damage. Yeah. And that's all it does. There's no reducing damage. It's it's uh you yeah, take Yeah, that's it's not that armor makes it harder to be hit or reduces damage. It's just if I am hit I can roll and no I wasn't. Yeah. Uh, uh um one of the things I wanted to talk about before we're done here was the many t- numbers of times in this book where the book pauses for a second to sell you this book. <laughs> now, I'm used to games pausing to sell you some other book. You know, like, oh, if you want stats on this kind of monster, check out Rift's Mercenaries, $20 available oh, yeah, that at was, the Palladium store. That was basically all of Brave New World was, hey, we've got a bunch of other books. This is... Basically, our free-to-play MMO version of this game, and if you want the real game, go buy our other books. So, this book does something different, which is where it pauses to briefly denigrate the concept of other game systems for a couple of paragraphs. Oh, yeah, it's got one of those graphs that's like, other game systems my age, me. (laughs) Me, too spoopy. (laughs) Already spoop-spooping. Other game systems my age, orange, (laughs) slutty-looking. Game systems my age, doot-doot. <laughs> but, uh, no, basically, it, there's more than one paragraph in this book starts with the phrase, other game systems might, or lesser uh, game rule systems may, may allow you. Uh, basically, all of them are just excuses for why this game uses random chance for everything. But they're, they just show up all the time. Like, um, in the spanty section, there's one about how... Uh, other game systems might allow players to recover their spell points at a gradual and, and regular pace. Not so here here. Each time you want to recover spell points, it's a challenging role. And I'm like, why are you selling? It, this is on page 50. I already bought your fucking crappy little book. Actually, it was a gift from someone. Thank you very much. A uh, dedicated listener. But, uh, but I'm committed at this point. Why, why are we, why are you selling? Stop selling. Go find another customer. <laughs> And this happens all the time. Other game systems will allow players to move their stats around. We consider that an absolute failure. The old school heroes of old were not allowed to move their dice, and so neither are WEG's heroes. Oh Well, it's not because they're trying to be like, oh man, you should buy this book. It's so that the person who bought it is like, yeah, you're right. That is the best way. I bought this because I've already bought into that, but now that you're sucking my dick, I'm real happy I bought this book. And I'll go on my message board for other OSR guys yeah. and go, "Hey man, did you know that fucking old school tells you that we did things right? Yeah, this book tells you you did things right to the hilt. And it doesn't forget the balls." <laughs> yeah. That's it, what That's it, what it this- tells you you did things right to the shaft. It's confirmation bias. It's the Fox News of books. <laughs> like congratulations on buying this book hey get them pants off (laughs) hey sit down right over here i'm gonna i'm gonna give you a birthday present oh it's so infuriating all right to wrap this up there's no skill system there's no seduction role to be spoken of we've already told you most of the rules in the game the spells are boring so let's not worry about it the monsters are actually innovative until you realize that they're either pointless or super dangerous and there's no in between the way the minions work is you have a minion level that level will Uh, inform all of their stats. So if it's a level 4, they've got a 44% in their main stat, uh, depending on what archetype they are. Uh, They've got a 4 move, they've got 40 hit points, and so on and so on. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can make any of the monsters in the monster section, whatever level you want, Uh you just take their baseline, whatever they are, and make it the number of the level. The problem is it means anything pretty much under a level 4 monster is just garbage town USO, USA and why are you doing it? So, like, a level one fight's going to be against four kobolds, all of which have an 11% chance to hit. Oh, the the fucking book starts out with, oh, the first encounter for these guys is three level five dudes. And I'm like, ah, okay, then why do you even fucking have these low-level things? <laughs> but the, the high-level ones, a six, seven, or eight, which are the three highest you can get, then start getting things like, oh, they have move and attack instead of just one action or if you're a level eight you have move and attack and attack right the idea being that you only fight the one of them like it's a dragon or something yeah so and that one also gets like a a bunch of other nonsense where it's like oh if they've got a skill then they've got a better version of the skill and they can inflict fear and do nonsense like that so yeah if if you want to provide something very dangerous you'll go up to level eight but it's also they're just shouldn't be a one through three. So it means you've got a four or five, or then a difficult thing. Yeah. Alright, so John, we gotta talk about our favorites and least favorites about this book, which is like the book equivalent of Crystal Pepsi coming back <laughs> and now in new smug flavor. Yeah. And uh what would you say was your favorite thing about uh, Wegg's old school? Uh okay. I am going to say that Fuck. The The fact that in a skills if i do a cold roll for something and succeed i then don't have to also try and hit if it is an active skill yeah yeah that's that's fine i actually like that anytime Mm -hmm. where it's like oh you you want to do a backstab as as a trickster and first you have to roll to see if you actually get your backstab skill to work then you get to attack and it just hits all right i i do like that at least they didn't Try and compound the amount of stupid rolls you have to do. Not unless you're a caster, no. Yeah. Casters have to cast like six spell, uh, make six or so skill rolls before anything happens. And they have to use a spoint for each of them. Yeah. Because there are a lot of skills for people that don't cost anything. Yeah. You're like, oh, do I want to be sneaky as a trickster? Okay, I just am. I use the cat-like sneak skill, and then I I sneak. Okay, Mm -hmm. great. But if you want to... Gather energy, that's a point. You want to cast a spell, that's a point. You want to upkeep a spell, that's a bad one. <laughs> well, first of all, you want to cast. back a- to me, that's a point. <laughs> if you want to gather energy, that's a point. If you want to cast a spell, that's four points because you're costing per level. Oh, that is true. Yeah, and you, won't, you don't have any level three spells. Get out of here, well, with that. Well, you can cast them at level three if you want to be a chump. <laughs> if you want to miss. But yeah, sp- it's usually a bare minimum of five points to cast a spell. Yeah. Okay, well, there you go. That's your favorite. So, yeah, my favorite is the not having to double down on roles for certain certain, things. On certain roles. Yeah, it was the one point where I went, well, thanks for throwing a bone. Yeah. (laughs) What's yours? Uh, I'll I'll mention something that we haven't talked about yet. It's actually kind of cute, and I I didn't hate it. Uh, The spoint move. Yeah, uh, so point moving in this game is if you would like to basically shift like in 4th edition Dungeons and Dragons you can do it as often as you like but it costs you a point for every square you move by the way this game uses the square movement grid like fucking 4th edition D&D uh, it says OSR is original Dungeons and Dragons 4th edition oh except uh, you can't move diagonal because yeah, no, diagonal movement is bullshit my friend <laughs> that's the devil's movement yeah it it makes perfect sense to only be able to swing at a dude right in front of you or to the side but not slightly to the edge of you You see, John, if you go somewhere diagonally, you're going about 1.5% fast, or or about 150% the speed of someone who isn't, and that kind of abstraction is bullshit from the devil's tit. Oh, yeah. Well, I know that that makes no sense, and it breaks my my verisimilitude and my immersion when there's something at the corner of a room, and I don't just run to one edge and then run at a 90-degree angle over to it instead of doing a straight line. Yeah, John, I don't. I go through life like I'm playing Resident Evil 1. <laughs> I, that's, go, that's... I go through life like a game of Snake. <laughs> that's the only thing I know. <laughs> I go through life like I'm the little magnet in an etcha sketch When I ride my bike, it's light cycle style. <laughs> when I... <laughs> Yeah, there's 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 no diagonals here. It is all right angles. There's no diagonals in baseball. <laughs> Stop diagonaling. Uh, how many more references can we throw in here? <laughs> anyway, I like this point move. I like the idea that that's something you can spend your points on. Is just okay. I I, I desperately need to move, but in this game you can only move as an action. If you move moving around, you can't attack unless you're using a rogue skill or trickster skill. But Spoint Move lets you kind of shift and bounce your way around the battleground, and not only that, using point Moves specifically indicates that you can't be, like, opportunity attacked, or move through a trap, or anything. The The space between where you started and where you Spoint Move to does not count as space you moved through. Yeah, it means anything like the whole Ranger's aim, where it gets ruined, where you move, you can still Spoint Move and not ruin it. Yeah, I like that. That was a, that was an okay concept. It's the sort of thing I could see working into a, into a grid game that isn't, you know, built on a, a Massive lies and bullshit yeah uh all right what's your least favorite thing oh god it's like a kid in a candy store i don't know what to pick my least favorite thing is a kid in a candy store get out <laughs> of here candy store this ain't for her kid this ain't for kids get out of here candy store this is just kids time <laughs> this is kids incorporated you need to get out this is our time and i'm taking this candy store back <laughs> down here it's our time i'm taking them all back <laughs> More references, John, although we already did Goonies. I know. We did it. It's fine, though. It's fine. <laughs> it's just, I'm trying to wrap it up here, because I need to go to the little boy's room. <laughs> I need to go to the little men's room. <laughs> okay, Thanos. Real impressive. <laughs> oh, dude, how much do you want him to have that line in this movie? Where Tony Stark is all like, oh, gee, well, can we stop this fight for a second? I have to go to the little boy's room. And he's like, oh, I have to go to the little men's room. And then he, like, socks him. <laughs> Uh all I want is for Thanos to just yell out "Goonies!" Just one, please. Marvel, it's not too late. The movie is not out yet. <laughs> you got a part 2 coming. If it's not in part 1, it better be in part 2. Let's get some Let's get some good Josh Brolin digs in there. <laughs> so, anyway, my least favorite thing in this, I'm probably going to take the amount of mixed stupid metaphors mm-hmm. cuz that got me angrier than anything reading through this book. There's just piles upon piles of stupid references to games and their terms are all mixed up and i'm like just pick one thing and go with it is your thing that you replace c's with k's that's your one thing you get one you get a thing you can do for example if you wanted to pick one thing you could you could have wags as a thing you put in stuff that again one thing. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to make it so that your one thing was you keep using SP on words, then fine. You can have spoints and spanty and spupping. If you want your one thing to be that you consistently glorify seasoned craps players for some reason, then sure. Fine, that's your thing. That is your thing. Here, you but here's the thing, that. though. You should know, no one else in the world does that. <laughs> yeah, no, it is, it is definitely a thing where going through this book, I was like, just... Just pick a gimmick and go with it. Quit like spreading your dumb gimmick seed all over there like Johnny Gimmick Seed. <laughs> there you go. Good last. Good least favorite thing, John. Good least favorite thing. There you go. What is your least favorite thing? Uh, I'm just going to say the tone of the book in general. I know I say the tone of the book a lot, but this one you is... You really do. I do. But this one is a great example of the of the problem. Where the book's just, ooh, you could trick your players with this heady little gem of a, a, this is a real doozy of an evil idea. And you're like, ah, stop it. You know the players are reading this too, right? It's not like we're in the DM section. (laughs) And there is no DM section. The DM section is, hey guys, uh, there's some monsters here. Yeah. There you go. Okay, have fun with those. But every time it's like, ooh, a player might try something at this point, make sure to let them for it will certainly fail. This is like, uh, you know, given all of his references to convention play and whatnot, I feel like he thinks you're going to take this book and then do what they did, which is just go to conventions with it. Oh, right. Like, we're going to go workshop your game for you at conventions? No, no one wants to do that. Most of the people who are going to read this book are players. (laughs) I'd say four-fifths of the people who read this book will be the players. Yeah. Yeah. And unless you're one of those, well, I mean, if you are one of those DMs who's like, oh, I'll dole out the information as I see fit. You can't read the book, but I'll let you know what to do. Mm. Then, yeah, sure, this book is for you. Great, you're an <laughs> asshole. Congratulations. There is a book for you. There you, you. go. This, that's my least favorite thing, John. This book is probably pretty good for assholes. <laughs> pretty good for assholes. Least favorite thing about this book, most favorite thing about toilet paper. <laughs> Baby wipes though. <laughs> then baby wipes. Get in there. Don't try flush that. them though. Don't flush them. No, no, don't flush them. But definitely wipe your butt with them. But definitely wipe your butt with them, and then definitely flush them. <laughs> what else are you gonna do? <laughs> bidets, John. Look into it. I got. I've got water bidets. <laughs> have you ever tried a bidet? I have not. Mm-hmm. I have taken a shower and just shoved that nozzle head right up my bum. Well, and that's close enough. That's uh, that's that's vivid, son. <laughs> I'm just giving you some very mental scarring images. Thank you. So there I am. I'm taking Wait, that. Wait, was up. that my shower? Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm definitely good. in your shower when you're not here. You Using your shower head to just get up in there. Just wash off the aggro crags. Oh, man. I am basically giving myself a Jeff's shower enema. <laughs> Folks, if you liked what you were <laughs> listening to today... <laughs> You can find us at SystemMasteryPodcast.com. That's our website. That's where all our shows, which are every bit as horrible, can be found. Oh, uh, it's so great. Uh, we also do a show where we review movies called Movie Mastery, and a show where, where we review old Star Wars Expanded Universe books called Expounded Universe, because we didn't want to get sued. <laughs> we uh, We also have... So much bonus content. Now, to get access to that sweet-ass bonus content, all you need to do is go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash and support us. Now, if you only want the bonus content for this show right here, this, uh, this System Mastery bonus content, which we are about to make, where we make characters in the game that we just discussed, Lord help me, I'm going to open up that Weggs book again. Oh yeah, we're going to make some Weggs characters, some of those arc creations then you can join us at the the simple starter level that we definitely appreciate of $1 per episode. Now, that's, that's a simple, easy thing to do. It helps us out a lot, and it gets you these bonus contents. But wait, John, there's more. Oh, shit. You see, we also do bonus content for our Expounded Universe show, which is a weekly Star Wars book review podcast, which means for the low, low cost of only $2 per System Mastery episode, or about $4 a month in total, you get... Four more bonus content episodes. That's crazy. That is a steal at twice the price. And actually is. Which Yeah, it's true. (laughs) Which means that for about four bucks a month, you get six episodes of bonus content. How could you go wrong? Yeah, it... It's crazy not to, to subscribe at the $2 level. If you're at the $1 level and you're not going to the $2 level, why aren't you? It's ridiculous that it's, you are it's not. It's so much more content. I assume that most of our $1 donors that have not moved already just forgot they have donors. Oh, they, do, they have stopped listening yeah. to us and they don't remember. Yeah, they just forgot a long time ago. Otherwise, make that switch. You, double your bo- you triple your bonus content intake monthly. Your entire podcast feed will just be the two of us. Yep, it's just us. We're always there. We're, take, like, we're like black mold. Take that, the dollop. Yeah, <laughs> fuck you, other better podcasts. Get out of here, WTF with Mark Marin. You need more system masteries in there. <laughs> what are you listening to? Some comedy bang bang? Well, that's probably all right. You should please, probably please do, do that too. instead. Or, or his new show, Are You Talking R E M R E Me? <laughs> Definitely check that out because I know I'm going to. That shit's great. <laughs> uh, all right, so. Uh, otherwise, buy our t-shirts at tpublic.com. Uh, give us money directly on our website if you want. Uh, uh, For the love of God, buy Boutresor. Buy things through our drive through RPG link on the website. We get money from that, believe it or not. We have like 90 bucks from that right Stop now. Stop by the house. Give us a hot plate. You know, if you've made a nice cheesy potato dish, we'd love it. Yeah, stop on by. You know, one thing we definitely both appreciate is broccoli with some cheese on there. You get some broccoli with some cheese on there. You come on by. We got a peach tea in the freezer right now. It's getting nice and chilled. I got a lovely patio, and John has a beautiful dog you get, he hangs out with. It's true. He's old and farts. <laughs> That's a That's ba- Jeff. <laughs> That's me. I'm a beautiful dog. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, everyone, and have a good week.